Hey everybody, Bees with Ben. Got a sweet episode today. Very sweet indeed. And obviously we're talking a little bit about bees, a little bit about honey. But what's sweeter than honey? And that would be chocolate. Absolutely love chocolate. We're going to hear all about chocolate with a uh, awesome company, and we're going to and why they've got bees. And uh, today uh, we've got Drew from Ministry of Chocolate. Thank you so much, Drew, for uh, jumping on board. Mate, thanks for having me. I'm uh, it's rat. I'm pleased to be on the uh, on your talk with you. Awesome, Great. awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate your time because I know you've been busy, busy as a bee. But so, well, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about chocolate because I'll, I'll tell you one thing. You know, when it, when obviously you have the childhood memories, and one of mine is um, the smell of uh, a wild hive just at the back of my parents' place. But there's another memory I've got. This is a few years ago when I went and seen you just after you moved into the new factory, is the smell of chocolate. <laughs> I can still smell it right now, still after my well, st- the stinky feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, you're, you're lucky because uh, I can't smell it anymore. When we walk into that factory in the morning, I can I can smell it. Well, not really any anything else because it's pretty pristine, but, uh, mate, we don't get that smell. We don't, we don't get that privilege anymore. Mine, when I was a pastry chef, uh, I never used to get the smell of the bakery either, but it wasn't until probably about a year after I, I left that, that particular part of the trade and I walked into a bakery and I, I just almost started weeping because I could smell it again. I realised what I'd missed out on all those years. So, That's so funny. mate, I'm, yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. It's, um, yeah, I, it's just something we don't get anymore. But, but you mentioned the childhood, uh, growing up, yours was, the smell of the wild hide. Mine was, um, I grew up in a little place called Diamond Creek, which probably isn't as, as little anymore, but uh, Australia Chocolatier actually started out on the main road of Diamond Creek there and uh, their store backed onto our primary school. Oh, okay. So, so every time you'd go out for recess, you could smell the chocolate up the uh, up into the school and I that's one of my childhood memories is, is actually smelling that chocolate. But, I don't think that's what set me off on the path of being a pastry chef, but it wasn't until years later I actually met the owners of the chocolatier and uh, and finger pointed him and said, "Mate, you're the reason I'm in this this game because uh, yeah, potentially it was it was my yeah you know, one of the things that, that I remembered as a kid." So so yeah, it's, that's um, awesome. I, th- I think that sort of smell of chocolate has sort of been imprinted in your mind from a young age so that's maybe you say you, you did become a, a chocolatier but now you're you know in the chocolate guru now speaking of gurus like as i said you know, ministry of chocolate um you got a website ministry of chocolate.com.au is that right yes yep that's it uh, www.ministryofchocolate.com.au um <laughs> or you can find us on facebook at the ministry of chocolate uh and instagram at ministry of chocolate Awesome. I'll I'll put that in the show Mm. notes so people can look that up because what you guys are doing, awesome stuff. So, so with your business, you used to have uh, there's a little your little shop factory up in the Gamby. So, so tell us about the beginnings of you know you said you become a pastry chef. So tell us about your journey um, as far as uh, as far as chocolate goes in your business. Yeah, uh, it's been a pretty long journey when I look back at it, and I'm I'm now hiring eighteen year olds, and I think gee, that was you know twenty plus years. (laughs) <laughs> um, but no, look, left school 16. I think school and I had decided we had enough of each other. So uh, the only thing going at the time was um, was an apprentice pastry chef, chef 
at uh, Arnold Swift Cakes in Heidelberg on uh, Bell Street there. And, um, mate, we made absolutely everything on site. We didn't buy anything in at all. And when I say everything, I mean baking powder. We even made our own baking powder. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and, and it was, wasn't until I went to trade school and realised how much I was actually taking in or, or learning. Um so I was very privileged. You know, there was there was twelve to fifteen pastry chefs in that that one little building, and um, which is very unheard of at the time as well. You know, I think when Crown Casino opened years later, they had they had close to twenty. Wow! So that was classed as a big kitchen. You know, um, so yeah. Look, I just started off there. Uh, I ended up at the Grand Hyatt after not long after um, qualifying. And I feel that I did another seven years worth of my apprenticeship yes. uh, on top of my four. <laughs> I worked with some incredible people from around the world. Uh, one in particular became the ambassador for Lint. Uh, him and I worked very closely together. Uh, he went and worked for, for Lint, and I eventually went off and worked for one of the largest chocolate companies known as Barry Calabar. Um, but, yeah, look, I, Grand Hyatt, uh, did all the banquets, incredible stuff, you know, themed nights. One was a Willy Wonka in Chocolate Factory, so that was right down my alley. Yes. Um, you know, and then moved off from there to eventually, you know, a couple of other places, but Brown Bakery was one uh, when Greg Brown had sold the business off. Uh, Brown Patisserie or Bakery was a well-known established brand back in the early 2000s. Uh, probably gave Laurent Bakery, who's still around, a, a good run for his money at the time. Um, and that's where I met my lovely wife. And uh, Karen was in charge of the retail management and overseeing all the, the retail, and I was uh, 2IC in the kitchen. So, so we didn't actually get to work together as such um, on a daily basis back then, but we were certainly involved in the same company. So, um, you know, look, the years later when we we married uh i was working for a chocolate company as i mentioned before a company called barry calabar it's actually the importer into australia uh and i was lucky enough to get a sales job with them through someone i knew called kirsten tibble who you may have seen on master chef right. you want to hear a funny story just quickly just button yeah in. i used to live yeah. with, i used to live with her <laughs> no way i kid you not this is when, when i was 19 when i was 19 uh my friend paul gibson uh that's my good mate and those two were a couple paul gibson yeah, right. and yeah and tibbles and uh i used to live with her in east Kilda. so funny story yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. oh there you go yeah, it's a small world. It is it? a small world, especially because I was a yeah. chef, and and she was she was awesome. Anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah, so. yeah. I'll, look, Kirsten taught me at trade school, and um, I don't know. We just uh, I just was lucky enough to stay in contact with her because she went on to work for the same company, and uh, when she was leaving to start her own career, she said, "Look, go for this job. It would be great. This is what I've done." Um, as the cat crashes in on this in conversation he's meowing in the background um yeah she said look go for the go for this this role i've done me the world of good and you probably see how you go and i said oh two years i'll, I'll give sales a crack you know yeah okay um yeah. i went from you know looking after victoria to then looking after the southern states um they supported me in learning in places like singapore belgium france denmark um and I became the technical advisor for Australia-wide and uh, got the 
got the job of traveling around and teaching people how to um, actually use chocolate correctly or fixing their problems in their own business. So, um, so yeah, I, I did that for six years and then uh, our second son was turning one and I was at a food show up at um, oh, central New South Wales somewhere and, uh, yeah, it was his first birthday and I realised I miss, was missing it. So I'd, um, I'd kind of had enough of the travel and the uh, the high life of sales and enjoying it so much and realised that I had to get back back home and back into something that was going to keep me more grounded here. Um, at the time, Karen was also on maternity leave and uh, had started making truffles, just chocolate truffles that she was selling at the local market, local farmers market. Okay. Um, she had a, you know, obviously a good supplier of chocolate in in what I was doing at the time, uh, bringing in the the imported Belgian Kovacha. Uh So we set a little business up, which was the Truffle Baron at the time, and uh, yeah, just did the local markets and just kept her busy and a little bit of an income and. Um, I think the last day she did for that was actually, unfortunately, it was Black Saturday and it was it was 42 degrees and we just decided that the heat was going to do us in over summer and just too hard at times. So um, we shelved it for that little bit, but, uh, you know, ultimately I had to get out of what I was doing. So um, we looked at business that Karen could get into and it was actually making her own chocolate in store. Okay. and. Uh, I ended up resigning and, and took on the role of, of the kitchen and uh, Karen ended up running the, the retail side of things out of Melbourne, on High Street, Melbourne. And, um, and, and, that was the birth, my, and that was the birth of Ministry of Chocolate? Yeah, it was. Yeah, okay. a, yep. Pretty much anyone that's in the food industry is just across from Scullery Maid, uh, yes. which has been an iconic place yes. in Melbourne yeah. to yes. buy all your equipment from. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah we, uh, yeah, we started off there uh, three years into it. Um, we got the offer to move into a factory facility because we'd outgrown Melbourne. It was pretty small. Um, although we remained there for another three years, so we did six years total at, at Melbourne. And on the last three years of being there, we also ran the, the operation out of Nagambi. Um, and that was great. It, was, it gave us the opportunity to grow the business. We had a bigger facility. Um, the downside of it was the, the travel. I was travelling from Blackburn through to Nagambi every second day. So wow. um, that's a bit of a hike. Yeah, yeah, about an hour and a half there and two and a half hours to get home and peak. So, yes, uh, yes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it was beautiful. You know, you uh, just by the second and third year, you're just hitting cruise control pretty yes, much. And yes, it was like you know, set, setting down in Launceston or Hobart, and when you pulled into the the front gate, and you'd kind of waking up a bit and realise that you'd, you know, you're going to spend the day in a winery and in a beautiful setting like uh, on the on the banks of the Nagambi River. So, um, oh, sorry, the Goulburn River. And, um, you know, it was great. We we held two chocolate festivals up there. Uh, first year we had 6,000 people through wow. on a Saturday, Sunday. And, 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 uh, and you organised those, Drew, the festivals? Yeah. Wow, yeah, we... Okay. Um, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we, we organised it with uh, a couple of people out of Mitchelton as well, the events organiser at the time and the winemaker as well at the time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, majority of it was um, the Ministry of Chocolate that was organising the event. Yeah, so yeah, I'm just a pastry chef, but I had to become an events coordinator and understand the traffic signals and, and you know, <laughs> yes. traffic 
yeah. the organisation and <laughs> you know security and and everything that had to be evolved. Um, you know, right down to hay bales and positioning of them on the day. And, but it was great. We had um, the second year we had James Hurd involved because he was part of the Cocoa Hunters at the time, yeah. which is a ch- chocolate out of North and uh, South America. Yeah. Um, so he came up and did a talk. He obviously attracted a, a fair crowd as well, but it was great. You know, I got to meet the likes of James Hurd and talk to him about the um, the travel that he'd done between leaving Essendon and uh, well, actually going back to Essendon. And uh, in that meantime, he'd been been over to South America to source this this chocolate product. And um, you know, chocolate's a lot like honey. Uh, Different flavours depending on what the um, where the trees are grown and you know single origins that are involved in in it as well you know and it, chocolate to chocolatiers isn't just milk white and dark you know we're looking for you know hibiscus undertone or a raspberry or vanilla undertone um, in our chocolate as well you know chocolate coffee's pretty similar as well you know they talk a lot about single origin coffee. Um, but chocolate has a lot of single origins as well, and, and in particular, products out of South America is quite quite fascinating and unique uh, in where it's grown. You know, it can even carry a tobacco undertone. <laughs> you know, so you've got those smoky cigars out of Colombia, and you've got the tobacco undertone in chocolate. That's, so, that's fascinating. You so, know. And, and so with the chocolate, so looking at the product, you you bring in is it cacao beans you bring them in and start like a how does that process work so we we're now classed as a as a chocolate melter or a chocolate remelter because okay. we work with um, again we work with Barry Calabart uh, who's got about 1500 recipes we can choose from okay you know um, but we only use their premium out of Belgium uh, we use a little bit out of Singapore uh, and they've got another brand called Cacao Barry, which is out of France, which we uh, occasionally use as well. Um, you know, they've got a lot of single origins in their range, uh, and, you know, we can draw on those um, and use them in our own product as well. So, you know, to set up your own conch, which is what you know, conching chocolate or making chocolate, you're conching it down, you're grinding it down. Um, to set all that kind of procedure up, it, it's quite expensive. However, um, as the chocolate industry has grown, there's more micro machinery available. So, you know, in the next, uh, you know, 12 to 18 months, we want to be able to look at buying in our own beans and creating our own chocolate from scratch because okay. yeah. I, I think that's where everyone's going. You know, you've got a lot of people who own their own beehives in their backyards now because they want to, you know, Somewhat control the type of honey yes, they're eating. Yes. You know, we want to we want to do the same thing with our chocolate. And uh, one of the things we're looking at is actually working with the industry that's now starting to really take off in Australia, uh, which is cocoa being grown in far north Queensland. Okay. So, you know, you've got a, you've got a few new growers coming on. The only thing is, it's it's a long process to grow a cocoa tree. Okay. Um, from seed. To actually getting a pod can be anywhere between three and five years, uh, but for the tree to be fully established and supplying about forty pods a year, you're looking at um, you're about eight years. Okay, yep. You know, but then the, the tree once established is about twenty five years, uh, or if not longer in some some places. So, um, 
so yeah, it's, it's quite a long process. So to convince a farmer that's probably been growing sugarcane and been getting a yield year on yes. uh, out and then switching to something that could possibly take eight years before he gets anything off it or they get anything off it uh, can be quite uh, challenging. So Interesting. Um, but, mate, we're getting there. We're getting there. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. And that's what people love. You know, they love that sort of you know, paddock to plate, you know what I mean? And we're all about supporting small businesses and supporting each other and so forth. And so a lot of people will be asking, you know, Ben, you know what I mean? We talk about chocolate. What's bees got to do with it? Now, as far as... I know, to my knowledge, is um, bees don't necessarily pollinate cacao trees. Uh, it's not, they're like a little micro insect. I think they're pretty um, one of those ones that don't need bees as such. That, that, does that sound right? Yeah. Look, I, I, I agree. Yeah, it's, um, it can either be cross pollinated by nature or also done by hand. Yes, um, okay. you know, just cross pollinate. But mate, the bees, the bees are tropical insects. Yeah, so as far, far as bees, they will live. Obviously, European honeybees prefer that colder weather. Um, yeah. But so the but the European honeybee will live in far north Queensland tropics. I've seen them in areas like Penang, you know, um, uh, Singapore. So they do all right. They just deal very differently with that sort of wet season, dry season thing. Um, there is yeah. an Asian honeybee, the Apis serrana, which is a smaller bee, which does does work and does pollinate. So, but. Um, mm-hmm. Which is interesting, um, but obviously on the subject of sort of bees and pollination. So this is a couple of years ago now. You sort of decided, you know, as part of you've got this. Like I'm almost dribbling, you know, and I'm, I'm <laughs> like I actually you now I, I am seriously dribbling. It's um, you make this honeycomb chocolate. Now I've got to. I can't. I'm not going to talk. You know what? I'm not going to talk it up because people got to try it. Right? It is like I'm salivating because it's. You know, you know when there's, it's like having a beer. You know, you can have a four X beer, right? Yep. Or you can have one of those sort of uh, more boutiquey little hipster beers from, you know, like a I wouldn't even say James Squire. You know, what I mean, but something a little bit more. I think that's the same as with chocolate. You know, you can get your Cadbury's, your Nestle brands. You know, they're they're all right, but you're getting good chocolate, and this and that particular one, that honeycomb chocolate, is amazing, <laughs> and it's got honey in it, and you also use the honey from the bees from the back of the factory. So so tell us what inspired you to get bees and put them in the back and how, how that all come about. Mate, probably the fact that you, you're not living that far from me and it was one day I was sitting in traffic and thought, is this like in front of me with Ben's bees on his van, you know? <laughs> but um, they, as you said, we're all after paddock to plate and, uh, you know, as we're now starting to research and looking at where we can get, sorry, get uh, beans from, uh, what brought on the honey was, well, let's do a backyard bee um, project. And, you know, we've got the two hives there and I'll sneak out there almost every day and just check on me 60,000 little workers. And, and, mate, I love it. I I think I'm allergic to bees. Or, you know, at least when I get stung, I, I'll well right up. But um, I, I can't help but go out and watch them. And uh, they've got me absolutely fascinated. And... Uh, but yeah, look, using honey, we can trace trace our own honey in our own product, and um, yeah, adding people think honeycomb has honey is generally has honey in it, but no, it gets its name from the structure, you know, being a honeycomb as, uh, look to it. Um, but we're actually adding honey to our honeycomb, and it, it it does give it that extra kick, you know, not just that caramelised taste, but it actually tastes like honey. Yes. Um, 
you know, and when we're making it, we have to shut the doors because <laughs> even though it's an enclosed factory, we've still got one or two bees that'll make their way in, you know. <laughs> so um, they're trying to get it back, you know, because we, we are boiling it to a certain temperature, which isn't always the best thing to do with honey, um, but it's getting the flavour through there. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're starting to get really known for our, our honeycomb. So, um, yeah, so honeycomb bars are probably our most popular product, and we've just done a, an Easter honeycomb egg as well. Um, and we're back to doing farmer's markets because we oh, okay. no longer have yep. – yeah, we, we've only got our factory outlet down in uh, Lacey Street and Croydon there. But, um, but no, I like to get out and I like to talk to people about my product and get their feedback. And uh, one of the things was, well, can you just not make the honeycomb for me? So we've started making just the honeycomb with the uh, coated in chocolate. So, you know, it, it starts to grow. You, 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 your core range starts to grow from feedback of people. But when you're using such a a fascinating product like honey and, and more people are aware of it too. You know, when they say, Oh, what honey do you use? And you tell them it's in, in your backyard, you know, they, then they, they listen, they sit up, you know, um, we've been lucky enough as well to create an AR, which is an augmented reality video that's on the, on the actual label. So when you download our app and scan the label, it'll launch a video and, um, it's actually featuring the Ben's bees, but how they're, you know, how the bee, uh, how the honey's extracted, and how it's um, spun out of the the frame, and um, then goes into how we shows how we make our honeycomb and where it's used as well. So yeah, it's ninety seconds, but it it kind of um, you know we can actually prove that it's our own honey. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Uh, and you've got you know I'm a little bit camera shy, and you've got Greg. Uh, my uh, my number one uh, helper. And he's he's he's. I got more of a face for radio and podcasts, but um, he's um, he's uh, he's doing that, and it's and it's awesome, and it's and I love how you, you've done that video because you know I mean you really and I encourage people you know try you know try that this chocolate like it's you know when you, you know, sometimes people talk things up and they're like you know blah 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 it's just and it really is amazing like re- absolutely oh no it is no I'm not. You know, really, um, really, truly is. And as you said, from my back in the day when I was a chef, I think as you said, you know, to make honeycomb it was just it's just a caramel and bicarb soda, if I remember right. Is that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so you're using chocolate in there, which is awesome. Now you mentioned farmers markets, you know, and yeah. so which farmers markets are you going to now, Drew? What's the what's the we yeah. we we do Kingston, uh, Kingston's farmers markets. We do Berwick. Uh, we also do Whitehorse. And park orchards, so there's a bit of a spread there. Um, but yeah, look, Kingston's a Kingston and Whitehorse are really good markets. You know, they, not to say the other two aren't, yes. but they're just the produce you can get from there, and the, and the, the passion of every storeholder. You know, if it, if it rains, everyone's crying on each other's shoulders. You know, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Especially at the moment, you know, all the, the produce that's coming in and it's just beautiful produce and the farmers are talking about how it's hard to, to get produce from from farm to to customer at the moment, you know. But you get to talk about your small business and hear about other people's small business as well. So, you know, when you're visiting a farmer's market, you, you are supporting the, the person that actually owns it, you know, owns that, that product, that brand. 
That's but, right. I, I couldn't agree more. Mm. Like something as you're saying, you know, you're at the market. You know, I mean, selling. You know, I mean, the the, the various chocolates. You know, people can come and see and talk to you and and so forth. So that and I love that. Absolutely, absolutely love that. So people, yeah, it's a really really cool. Mm, and I kind of yeah, that, that kid in me when when someone picks up a bar and they look at it and they you know their eyes light up that little bit more and and as you said you can start to see them salivating you know you, you, that's my happiness you know I'm seeing people enjoy what I do um, you know it, it was a, I was travelling uh, to Sydney and uh, while we owned the Ministry of Chocolate and there was a, a girl in front of me at um, one of the news agents that we were supplied in the airport and. She's oh, there's that Ministry of Chocolate product. And I looked up to see where it was, you know. <laughs> um, and I just realised then, well, hang on a minute, my product's gone from Malvern to the airport, you know, and it could be anywhere now, you know, and it's taken its own little journey. But, but just to hear someone comment, you know, oh, that's that Ministry of Chocolate, you know, you should buy a bar. And you just think, wow, that's, that's just made my day. Oh, you know? of course. So, that's, love mm. it. And that's what I love mm. too. Those conversations sometimes you don't hear or, you know mm. what I mean, those ones that you, know, you do hear like that, you know what I mean? It's where it's um, come from and so forth. And, and obviously on the subject of honey, is there anything else you, you you make, you know, with honey? Is it just a honeycomb chocolate you're doing there, Drew? For the business, yeah. Yeah, yes. we used to make um, a lot of individual chocolates, but uh, the price of that now is just, um, you know, it's just too expensive. Um Partly, you know, we, we want to pay our workers right and labour is quite expensive uh, in Australia. So to try and compete against the imported individual chocolates, it's just too hard anymore. Um, so, yeah, we used to do a, a – it was almost a pure honey and chocolate mix in a little bonbon-sized chocolate and uh, you'd bite into it and it would almost run down your, your cheek, you know, your chin, you know. Oh wow! So, so like, um, a, like a like a truffley type type one? Would you? How did you describe? Yeah, that? that's right. Yeah, it was more like a caramel filling, but with honey. You know, and it was ah, okay. using pretty much honey than than making a caramel. Um, you know, and that was yeah, that was a great little product. Um, yeah, look, we're always looking at different things to to use it in. We use it in our granola rather than using um, glucose or a sugar mix. We actually put the honey through it, and it means that we can reduce the amount of sugar that's in it too. Yes. Um, because you're getting more pack, uh, yeah, punch from yes. it, um, and it's a binding agent in that aspect as well. Um, a lot of honey is used in in chocolate manufacturing for also shelf life too. Um, oh, okay. You know, it's the yeah, you know, the, the man-made product as such is called invert sugar, which um, you know is five times stronger than your normal caster sugar, and gives you the same result as honey. So why wouldn't you just use honey? Interesting. <laughs> um, okay, so it extends the the shelf life of of some of the products by using honey. It does, yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, then you end up with the the flavour of honey throughout all your products. So you know, there's a bit of control that needs to be done with that. Um, you know, it's controlling the, the the amount of honey that you use. Um, yes. But yeah, look, mate, at home I'm using it in my kombucha, and I'm finding it's actually helped with hay fever and stomach and all sorts. So I was lucky enough to to meet a mate of mine who's now making kombucha. Yes, and uh, he said, mate, if you you want to get over this this hay fever problem this season, just put a little bit of honey in. You know, and and I am allergic. You know, if I touch honey, it'll make me itch. But it's actually this season; it's actually helped me. You know, um, so who knows, mate? The power of honey. 
Wow. You know? so, so, so go back a step. So makes you itch. Is that like a, a fructose type thing or do you reckon it's the pollen? What, what's your – because I've heard a few people sort of say this itch. Yeah. Yeah, look, possibly the um, the pollen side of it. Uh, I suffered really badly from, from hay fever as a kid. Um, but this season I've, I've hardly had a, a hit of – of hay fever at all and whether it comes down to the kombucha and putting honey in it or is it just a change of season who knows but um but mate the bees have been turning the honey over a lot more this season than they had last so that's an indication that there's been a lot more pollen in in, in the air is that correct yeah so, so, po- you know? so pollen and nectar is um mm. and it's been a real sort of interesting sort of um for me, an interesting season throughout Melbourne. Um, mm. So just through the suburbs of Melbourne, I, I looked at my notes. I've got 86 hives. And mm-hmm. and it's actually interesting. You know, some are behaving up and down. You know, I mean, I think with this La Nina weather pattern, um, mm-hmm. it's sort of been good and, and bad. So it's kind of some areas, yeah, very, very different. And I've noticed the honey sort of seems to be, um, from these these hives I've got, it seems to be deeper and richer. Now, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's sort of, I don't know, because of a stronger nectar coming through because of, you know, the water or something, you know, in the water tables. So I don't know. I'm not sure. But it seems mm. to be a really richer honey where other years it's very light and more fragrant. So anyway. Yeah, anyway, well, yeah. Mm. when Greg was out a couple of weeks ago, he took a couple of the uh, frames out and he showed us the difference in the, the colour. And, you know, and the, the darker ones being a, a different time of the, the season and the, the lighter ones obviously reflecting the season as well. Now, I... I couldn't believe that 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 can happen, you know. Uh, in the same same box, you know. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I mean, how smart are they? Oh, they are. They are. <laughs> as a as a little creature, is just a. They, they obviously I just I'm gobsmacked by them each and every day. It's just you know what they do mm. and so forth, and I just love that. Um, as I said in a couple of other podcasts before, that connection with people. Yeah, you know I mean, there's mm. this you know with bees, you know, using. You know, we're so connected and, and it's, yeah, absolutely love that. So, um, uh, and yeah. um, last question for you, for you, Drew. Um, I know you're busy, absolutely, absolutely flat out. So what, what's the plans for the business, you know, sort of uh, in the next, say, five years? What's... Um, oh, mate, yeah. <laughs> How long is a piece of string, really? Uh, yes. And who, who knows these days? Um, mate, everyone's turning towards Australian-grown or Australian-made produce, which is great. It's just incredible. You know, it means we can... We've turned most of our ingredients now to, if we can source it Australian, we will. You know, so we're using almond co almonds out of uh, Adelaide. We're using strawberries from the Mornington Peninsula, freeze dried strawberries from Mornington Peninsula. Um, you know, when we can't get our own honey, we're, we're calling you up and saying, oh, I need another 15 kilos. Yes. So, you know, if we're turning over more, then it's helping us support our local farmers and our other smaller businesses that rely on us and you know and that's what we're that's what we're about you know we we could just be another chocolate company um but we don't want to be we want to be able to tell people you know where our chocolate comes from and and you know where our ingredients come from so mate five years i'd like to think that we're working more with the australian growers than we are at the moment we do work with them at the moment we buy an australian grown cocoa Um, that's in our 70% dark and we're just switching over to putting it, creating an 80% using that as well. Um, Because it's quite bitter chocolate, so it it really suits that high-end percentage. Um, So, yeah, look, working with the farmers, um, 
we've been lucky enough to pick up a contract with Woolworths into their metro stores. So that's, oh, that's wow. continuing that's awesome. to grow. How cool is that? Yeah. Awesome. So, um, you know, and this year we're, all our Easter eggs have gone into, uh, I think about 250 of the Woolly stores. So, wow. you know, I walked into my local Woolies just the other day and, and thought I'd have a quick look and had to push past all the, you know, the purple and the yellow that's there from Lynch and Cadbury's. And, <laughs> yes, yeah. And, mate, here's a pile of the Ministry of Chocolate. And I was almost on my knees in front of it in tears. Oh, thinking, love yeah, it. Yeah, how much of an effort it took to get it to store. You know, and it was only 10 minutes down the road from Croydon, but it had gone on its own little adventure to get there. Oh, um, love it. So, yeah, look, you know, help people in Darwin we can they, where they can buy our product in Western Australia now. And, mate, eight, eight years ago, starting off in Melbourne, there's no way we would have ever thought our product would have been nationally. And now, you know, internationally too, we supply Singapore. Uh, Singapore's starting to, our distributor there is starting to look at Bangkok and Vietnam and Malaysia. And you just, you know, here's this little honeycomb product from our backyard heading off to Singapore and other places in the world, you know, and, and that's what it's all about. You've just got to keep growing. You've got to keep pushing. Um, you know, people told us don't deal with the big guys, but you know what? If you want to be anyone or anything in Australia, you've got to get in bed at times with the bigger guys and just hope, uh, hope they treat you nicely, you know, yes. so, which they have done so far. So, you that's, know, that's, that's so cool. And, and, uh, so, and you've got like a little factory, that's a retail shop. So people can come and buy directly. What's, uh, yeah, that's right, mate. Uh, down on, um, 35 to 43 Lacey Street, we're factory number five in Croydon. Uh, we're open 8 a.m. till 4 p.m., Monday to Friday, uh, because we're out doing markets on the weekend. So, you know, those markets being Kingston, Berwick, Whitehorse, and Park Orchards. So if you want to find us on the weekend, come down and say good day. That's awesome. Either one of those. That's awesome. That's I really encourage everyone to do that. And Drew, you're an absolute legend. You must be working a hundred hours a week. <laughs> Mate, uh, uh, yeah, a bit like you. That's why it's been so hard for us to catch up. You know, got to be busy, man. You got to be. Busy. <laughs> love it. Thank you so much for your time, Drew. Absolutely love it. Keep up the great work. Thanks, thanks, Ben. You too, mate. See ya. See ya.